You are listening to HHS bonus content from the Hillbilly Horror Stories Network. This bonus content is released during the week for your listening pleasure while awaiting the release of Sunday's actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episode. All bonus content will be listed as HHS Presents or HHS Midweek while the actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episodes will have only an episode number and the title listed, for example, 187, The Kentucky Vampires. Those episodes are a longer deep dive into a particular subject. If you are new to the show and the bonuses aren't your style, get the full-length episode to try. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the midweek episode number 32. Hey. This week, we're going to uh, present you with Tammy and Bryce from mm-hmm. Holly Weird Paranormal. This is actually one of my favorite shows and... I don't know why it's taken so long to get them on the show. We should have had them on a long time ago, and I even said that to them when we were interviewing them. Yeah, you did. The yeah, they're really great. But that that's going to be a, a fun one. And I've got a little story that couldn't be any farther from Hollywood <laughs> <laughs> that they're doing. This is actually on the other coast. It's in the, the Pensacola Lighthouse, and it's in Pensacola, Florida. They've had several lighthouses there, by the way, so we're going to talk a few about a few of them, I guess we should say. The first was a light ship. It wasn't even a true lighthouse. It was a ship that was called the uh, Aurora Borealis. And that was in 1823. What would happen on this particular ship, it would go to different locations that didn't have a lighthouse. And then when a lighthouse was built, then it would move to a different place that but you didn't have a lighthouse. Oh. So it had moved to there in Pensacola uh-huh. in 1823. And I can't remember what the, where it came from. Another place in Florida, I think, where the lighthouse got built in it, and then they just moved it over. It's pretty cool. In 1825, two years later, they built a 40-foot tower on a 40-foot bluff. That seems short to me when you think about it. That's 80 foot tall. For a lighthouse, you would think you would need a lot taller than that. And I'm probably right because it was partially obscured by trees. So they built a new tower in 1858 on the north side of the bay. It officially opened on January 1st of 1859. And that tower is what's there today. Okay, the Swansdale. Yeah, okay. that's the one there of the day. Good. It's 150 feet tall, and it's on a 40-foot bluff. Located on the Pensacola Naval Air Station. So, Sounds like it belongs there. It does. So what happened to the 40-foot one? They, it, I guess it, they tore it down. They I don't think it, Yeah, I don't think it's there anymore. But I could be wrong because I didn't research that. The night tour coordinator by the name of Rob Booth says that they don't say that the lighthouse is haunted. He just says that they're occupied by six people who really like the place, and they chose to stay with them. Than leave. <laughs> well, that's a good way to look <laughs> at it. The Lighthouse has a maritime museum that's attached right to it. So you've got the Lighthouse and the museum that are oh, all that's kind of good. one location. Convenient. In the museum, there's a bedroom of Ellen Mueller. Now, Ellen grew up there. Then she got married at the Lighthouse, but she also died of complications of childbirth there at the lighthouse Aww, in 1911 that. in that terrible. bedroom in that bedroom in that bedroom oh that's a shame there are approximately 20 different paranormal investigators that visit here on a regular basis they use k2 meters to kind of interact with the ghost and of course that's the emf detectors that we all know so anyway they they use these to try to interact they'll ask yes or no questions and they ask it to bounce it once for yes and bounce it twice for no and that's how they communicate they sit and have full conversations with the spirits that way they said the basement has two spirits raymond 
and Thomas. Both of these were runaway slaves who were caught, hanged, and buried on the property of the lighthouse. Horrible. This tower of the lighthouse has 177 steps. Never would make it. No. (laughs) Some have seen the spirit of Sam Lawrence in the stairwell or at the top of the steps. Sam was the head lightkeeper here in 1877. Booth said they communicate a lot with two children there on the property. Lizzie and Joey died from yellow fever in 1922. They can be seen all over the lighthouse. And he said it's kind of funny because they have a tendency to freak out guests by walking straight through them. (laughs) Yeah, that would freak me out. He said people will stand at the door that's downstairs and the kids will run through the lighthouse and they'll run straight through the people. And Booth says that him and his crew will sit there and just watch people kind of get the willies. And then they'll just sit and kind of snicker because they know what's happening. Happening. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to see that. (laughs) In 2009, the Pensacola Lighthouse was listed as the most haunted lighthouse in America. And that says a lot, considering that the St. Augustine Lighthouse is right there even in the same state. The lighthouse was featured around that time on Ghost Hunters. And at that time, Ghost Hunters had about 15 million viewers a week. And that kind of really kicked off the popularity with paranormal investigators. Well, good. So they've made the most of it. So in the top of the lighthouse, I mean, I guess there's surely like a bed. I mean, because they have to stay in there. Well, I guess they do different shifts, maybe. Is that what they do? No, here's how it works. And Well, and it worked different back in the day because back in the day they had to manually light that and keep it up. But, like, eventually they went to, like, electric lights. So it just spins on its own. Mm -hmm. And they just still have to make sure that that light stays lit. But it's not lit the same way as it used to be. You know, in in the 1820s, they would have probably had some type of a flame or lantern type effect uh, to use where now it's electric light. But if you notice how the shape of a lighthouse is, it's always narrow on top and wider at the bottom. Yeah. So where it's wider on the bottom, they have living quarters. Oh. That's where you would have the bedroom and, and the living room. And in most cases, yes, they take shifts. Um, I don't know how it works today, but, but back years ago, they would usually send uh, a couple, sometimes a husband and wife, or sometimes just two two different uh, individuals up there to just work as a team. Turn. Right, yeah. And they would stay up there sometimes for maybe weeks at a time or months at a time then they would switch off with two other people to keep somebody from just being isolated oh gosh yeah i'm sure like we've read stories where that just drive you insane yeah Yeah. so but that's that's kind of how that works and that's the story of the lighthouse so are we ready to listen to tammy and bryce i am so ready let's bring it on well, we'll bring it on right after a quick word from our sponsor Hey guys, this has been a long time coming. Uh, hooked up with, with these two a while back, probably a year and a half or so ago. And I said I was going to get them on the show. I don't know what's happened to where we didn't do it, but I feel like I've got done you guys a disservice for not making sure that you've heard these fantastic people. They're from out in the Hollywood area and they're the host of Hollywood Paranormal. This is Tammy and Bryce. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank hey you. guys. Hey, boo, uh, hey. <laughs> how long has the show been on now? How, are y'all right around the two-year range, right? Yeah, we're now entering our third year with the podcast and it's been ever so evolving and growing. It, we're just so lucky to have come across so many amazing people in this community, especially here in Hollywood. And there's a ton. <laughs> there's a ton of people that we've been able to investigate and meet and get haunted by. So here we are. <laughs> awesome. And I, know, and I know you and Bryce have tons of stories just because, well, you're right in the heart of all this stuff. Tell me a little bit about how, uh, Bryce, tell me how you and Tammy got started doing this. 
this? Yeah. So Tammy and I are former co-workers. Uh, I moved out to Los Angeles in 2010 to go to acting school. Uh, I just graduated from university in the Midwest, which is the start of every movie in the 80s ever. Uh, um, so I moved out here and I went to school and then I actually ended up working at that school after I graduated. And the year after I graduated, Tammy had come on as like the costume maven assistant for the production year at the school. And so I had been asked to be like a guest star in one of the plays that they put on. And so my actual first meeting of Tammy, she was doing the fittings for the show. And I spent a large part of the show in my underwear. So I met her basically like naked <laughs> doing underwear fittings and her being like, no, that's not the pair. Go back and change them. I'm like, oh, well, we're going to be friends if this is how we're starting. <laughs> And that is it. That's how we met. <laughs> and then, you know, it sort of just evolved with us as friends after that, like on my breaks that I took frequently throughout the day. I basically would go down and we would just chat about school gossip and what was going on in our lives. And eventually, you know, if you talk to people, I'm sure you can relate. Like if you talk to people long enough or say the right thing, eventually you will get to ghost stories and you will find <laughs> that people even that you wouldn't expect have paranormal experiences. They have interests that are considered like a little out there taboo or whatever you want to call it. And so once we started talking about that and the sort of uh, history of our school and all the hauntings that have happened there, we thought, oh, you know, Tammy one day just said, like, let's do a podcast. I was like, great, I'm in. Well, you brought it up, so let's start talking a little bit about that. I know you guys have tons of stories from that school. Give give the listeners out there who haven't listened to Hollyweird Paranormal, give them mm -hmm. a little example of, of kind of how your show is. Sure. Hollyweird Paranormal is... It was created based on the stories of our school, and then it soon evolved into the stories of this crazy city we talk about all the time, which is Hollywood, or as us Angelinos like to call it, Holly Weird. Nobody likes talking about Los Angeles more than Los Angelinos. We love talking about ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> so there's a lot of stories that connected to the paranormal there, of course, because, you know, Los Angeles was a place of mysticism and there's layers and layers and layers of history and haunted history that if you peel them back, you never know what you're going to, you know, come across. And sometimes it, you know, comes to you when you're not looking for it or you never know what, you know, you might come across if you are, you know, hunting for it, definitely for sure. So I guess what we could start with Bryce is when we started working in the school, the school as a little background is the setting of where Charlie Chaplin built his first bungalows after he got his big money for his films. And he built his studio right next to his bungalows, which is now called the Jim Henson Studios. Mm -hmm. And eventually within time, you know, they were sold and then they were built on the grounds where our school is. The bungalows are still there. They're converted into the theater and the library. And eventually the school came around and purchased the property in the 80s. And then soon and eventually people started saying that they started seeing what looked like a figure of a man walking around the grounds with it looked like a period suit and a little bowler hat. And they believe that that's the ghost of Charlie Chaplin. Hey, let me ask you this because I don't know this and, I, and this is stupid.
stupid. I could look it up probably pretty easy. Is there any video of Charlie Chaplin talking? I don't think I've ever heard him say a word. I've seen clips from the silent films. I don't think I've ever heard what he sounds like. There is a film where he is, it's supposed to be one of the best speeches made ever yeah, in um, black and white film. I think there's a colorized audio version yeah, where you can hear him talk, and it's supposed to be one of the best speeches ever written in a film, and you can actually hear him talk. And I think it's was it in the 30s or 40s? It was supposed. It was about a. It was a, a speech about like Nazism and a speech against hate and stuff. And it was supposed to be a really uplifting speech in this specific film. So that's the only one I can think of where you can hear him really talk. But yeah, originally Charlie Chaplin is from overseas. He's from the UK and he traveled to Hollywood in 19, uh, around 1910 and 1911. So he was pretty much part of that big movement of the silent film movement. And from there, it's like he was already trained to be, you know, a mime. He was trained to be a performer because of his mother, you know, when he came to Hollywood he was going to make it big and he certainly did like he owned pretty much half of Hollywood or if not a majority of it any specific hauntings that come to mind as far as at the school with, <laughs> with Charlie Chaplin? What is the biggest one, Bryce, that you can think mm. of? The one that's most repetitive. Oh, you have this about the the biggest one that we know that has circulated is the one with the costumes. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting with the school, especially, there's so many, we always talk about this, there's so many layers that you kind of have to peel down through, and, you know, there's all these, it's a lot of oral history that gets passed down from the teachers who have been there for long periods of time, from a lot of staff who've been there, because students are actually only there for a one to three year period of time, so it's very funny when you kind of fast circular loop and, like, kind of stay there for a bit longer. Like, I think I ended up being there for six or seven years all in. So, multiple cycles of that. And yet, you still see that every generation kind of has the same traditions. You know, one of the main ones is that the director of the third year program, in relation to specifically Charlie Chaplin, has seen some kind of manifestation that was in the wings of the theater. And like Tammy had mentioned, with a bowler hat, you know, there's this male figure in the wings during a show. And so, she sends her stage manager to find out, like, why is someone back there? They're not supposed to be on stage. And they can't find find anybody there's no one backstage so that's sort of like the more people probably associate that with charlie chaplin with the hat and all of that then there's sort of more like nefarious examples in the old costume annex the ironically the year before i actually had started the third year program had done one flew over the cuckoo's nest the play obviously and so they had costume storage for all of the straight jackets that was locked up in the basement they one night came down or one night before and when they went to get the straight jackets they had been slashed as if someone had like taken scissors and like carved and torn up the straight jackets it was a locked building it was a locked room it was like the costume main area and then a smaller annex so actually even less access there was only like a few keys into that. And in that area in particular, people, teachers, workers, students always have kind of said like the energy in this area feels very strange. It feels very off now since been converted into a different classroom space. And people still kind of comment on the energy that they feel in what used to be this one room that had this like one kind of traumatic experience that they can't explain. Like no one had access to that room and like no one had 
had an a motive, if you will, to destroy rented costumes. So then you start eliminating all the possible sources and you're left with like, okay, well, if we can't explain it any other way, what are we left with? Yeah, that was a story that was circulated to, to me that when I started in working in the costume department, this was the biggest story that was shared. And people thought, oh, it was the costume designer. And I would always tell them, why would the costume designer add more work to her schedule? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a very right. busy schedule. That's the most ridiculous thing. And the way that our costumer or costume director would tell me the story, I mean, she gets very, you know, choky. Like she gets a little choked up. Like she gets, mm -hmm. like she gets the shakes. You know, she gets the vapors. So, <laughs> to this very day, doesn't know what happened. She still feels that it could possibly. This was just something that she threw out there that it could have been either Charlie or Charlie's mother because Charlie's mother was administered into a mental facility because she suffered from mental illness brought on by um, I can't remember what it was the the disease that she had. Syphilis was a syphilis, I think. That I have to double check. Yeah. Yeah, that was like left untreated. So it was heartbreaking for Charlie to have to administer her into a mental facility. So we felt that there was a connection with the straitjacket being torn. Possibly it's it's his mother still around or maybe it's Charlie like not wanting to send his mother to a mental hospital. Because the strangest thing in the story was just the, the straitjackets and not the other costumes that were hung up. Like it was just yeah. only these specific jackets that were torn to shred. And eventually the department, the costume department was able to repair them as best as they could and the show went on. But still Still, it was just this weird thing connected to the jackets and the jackets mm. were moved to the opposite end we have to keep the jackets we ended up having to forfeit a lot of money because the rental place did not want them back so we ended up having to keep the jackets the jackets end up in this opposite end of the shop and I will tell you no one wanted to be in that end of the shop it was where the washer and dryer was located and every time uh, myself or a student and I would go back there we always felt like someone was watching us or peering over over our shoulder as we're loading the washer or unloading the dryer. We turn around and no one would be there. Um, I remember one morning, my assistant at the time would always work at 8.30 in the morning because she had to leave at one to go to her second job because that's how it is in Los Angeles, guys. You have to have more yeah. than one job. <laughs> but uh, she was making coffee. She always makes coffee in the area next to the washer and dryer. She said that in the corner of her eye, she kept on seeing this figure walk past the hallway um, from where she was. And she's like, oh, calling out to me. She thought it was me. Probably I was coming in a little earlier. And she keeps on seeing this figure like walking past this doorway, which is facing her, you know, in the kitchen. And she goes out and she calls out to me. There's no one there. Everything's quiet. Everything's locked. Like she's literally the only person in this one floor in this mm -hmm. one area. And then I come in an hour later and she grabs me. She's like, I had the weirdest thing happen this morning. So that was another story. Another story that also happened in our costume shop, we were doing a fitting with this girl and someone brought up the topic of Charlie Chaplin's ghost. And the girl that we were fitting, she said, I'm, I do embody, you know, some sort of mediumship and I feel his presence in the library, which is now, which is, was his former bungalow. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I just feel this presence of a man there. And, and then I was told that Charlie Chaplin, like this was his house and, you know, this is the place where he mainly stayed, you know, in between his his uh, work schedule. So we were talking about the story circulating Charlie Chaplin in the school, and one of the workers mentioned, oh, I don't believe in any of that crap. 
crap. I don't believe in any of the, <laughs> the stories of Charlie Chaplin being here. And right after she said that, the door in the back of the shop slams shut out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It just closes and slams shut. And the way that that door is left open, there's a latch that you connect the door to. And it's an industrial latch. So in order to remove that latch from the door, it takes some arm muscle. Mm-hmm. And we just are frozen. Like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> and I go back there to investigate and sure enough, the door is closed and it's a heavy door. And this is why we needed this industrial latch to keep it open. When I opened the door and put the latch on, I was like, no, 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 that couldn't have happened. That couldn't have happened. And no one was around that area to unhook it. So that that was unexplainable in itself. And it just so that door slammed right after, you know, that girl mentioned that all this was BS. So something is around. Something's lurking there. <laughs> so other than the school, what are, and I'll ask each of you this question because you, you might both have mm-hmm. different different answers, but what is your favorite Hollywood haunt other than the school? Mm. David Oman's house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you going to say that. Yes, David Oman's house, because he is 300 feet away from the location of where Sharon Tate and her friends were murdered back in August of 69 by the Manson family. And I'm sure everyone who listens to Hillbilly Horror Stories or any, you know, paranormal podcast or is a paranoid knows about the omen house here in Mm -hmm. hollywood but he's been on a lot of paranormal shows he is very open about his experiences especially in benedict canyon because that place is weird falcon lair where rudolph valentino used to live and his house is there as well and it has gone through a lot of unusual occurrences especially a fire Mm. of course you have the sharon tate house which is off of cielo drive and then you also have the the Superman house where uh, I can't remember the name of the man that played Superman George where Reeves. he yeah where he um, the, the first Superman in a black and white show he was murdered and I say that or, or committed suicide and I say that with finger quotes yeah yeah so i would list i would actually see the movie what is it hollywood land just to get Mm -hmm. a good overview of of that whole story and there's just so much connected to that canyon that we feel like just manifest there but in this house it is believed that he has seen the entities of the victims of the sharon tate murder that he is in constant communication with the spirit of sharon tate barry taft who is a famed paranormal investigator and scientist has gone there to do research at his house back in I want to say the late 90s mid to late 90s and the house is actually high in the EMF scale so originally the magnetic field original magnetic field measurements are two to four hundred milligrams and in David's house is two to four thousand milligrams so it is very much this magnet to mm-hmm. attract whatever is around there that is unexplainable and every time you go to that house even my first experience like you will definitely see something there and I feel like it's not just connected to the Sharon Tate murders but I feel like it's connected to something else there that likes to I guess likes to be mischievous and likes Mm -hmm. to appear what people want to see in terms of spirit. So people have claimed to see the spirit of Jack Johnson, which was the famous first African-American boxer because David has a huge collection of a lot of his personal items. 
So we think, okay, maybe if you bring a trigger object, something that belonged to someone who used to live, that person will manifest. And people have claimed to have seen the spirit of Jack Johnson there next to the area where David has a lot of his personal Mm -hmm. item. And then you go into the third level, which is the earthen wall room. If you've seen Ghost Adventures, they did investigate here where Nick is apparently scratched and pushed and stuff. Like there's a lot of activity that has occurred there. I've seen things there. David has a recording of me sitting there with another investigator. And the investigator, I'll never forget this. He's like, Tammy, there's this four foot figure, this black figure in front of you. And David notifies us in the speaker. He's like, yep, he's right. And he showed me the footage later. And there's this like black mist just standing right in front of me. And I'm just like looking around like, where is it? (laughs) But it's standing right in front of me. And the things that he captures, because his whole entire house is covered with cameras and, and whatnot. He has that whole place on 24-7 surveillance. And he has a collection of unexplainable things. And people do travel from all over to to visit the house, to witness it, and to experience it, and to, to see what they could find or see what could find them, in other words. So, yeah. Is he open to people visiting the house? I mean... Oh, absolutely. If you go... He has a Facebook page. He he used to do this thing. I'm not even joking. It's a paranormal barbecue. So you he'll cook for you barbecue for you (laughs) and then you he'll feed you and then you can do the ghost hunt and what i like so much about his ghost hunt is the fact that he lets you have free reign all over the house you could go anywhere he has the tools sometimes he even invites a psychic we do a seance in the bottom level there's a lot of things that have happened during seances that i've been there things that i can't explain things that have touched me and things that have flown off the shelves in his house, like it's it's there and it's definitely active. So I know that he's going to open everything back up immediately after this whole order is lifted. But um, yeah, I would highly recommend going to to the Omen House or even like renting the house for the night. Like he also does private events, so yep. you can do a paranormal investigation or show, or you can even do a podcast out of there. Like we did a podcast. Yeah. out of his house and we had things that were happening around us <laughs> yeah and i think that was the thing that was so interesting i do have a different answer like you had mentioned but the thing that was so crazy about the david omen house is i of the two of us especially am a bit more skeptical just because like i don't know a lot and Tammy, i think is so good about like exploring deeper and like seeing what's out there and i'm just kind of like oh i don't know like man <laughs> and so it was very interesting because at the david omen house tammy had really just started like opening up ability to be perceptive to those kinds of energies and we were experiencing like all these things from sounds and movements and like occurrences to just feelings and sensorial experiences and for all of that i was like i know something's happening but i don't know what this is Mm -hmm. so very interesting because the thing that's so great about the house is whatever you bring to it it will kind of give back to you again like i don't claim to be an expert on anything and i certainly don't know you know, David is like, I think it's this, and you have to trust your own instincts as well. But it's very interesting because even when you can't fully explain what's happening, there, for us at least, there were so many things back to back that were like, well, this is unexplainable. And it seems to be corroborating between like the three of us at the time, the experience, oh, wow, this is really intense. Like, I don't know what's happening, but it's certainly an active like hot spring. Yeah. We had 
issues with the with our equipment like the sound we was coming in and out and that never ever has happened and it would happen when we were talking about Sharon and then there's this famous area in David's house it's been recorded and shown shown on many shows especially Ghost Adventures where it's like a fish tank and above the fish tank he has the stable shelf that has all these figurines and there's the Beetlejuice collection where he has the tarred man or the smoking man and that man always falls forward to I guess it's the spirit's way of communicating and while we were there that thing kept on falling forward every five minutes and David was freaking out he's like that's never happened when people come over like it usually falls once and that's it but this thing was I think it was trying to tell Bryce no I exist no hey yeah. <laughs> I'm here no I'm here <laughs> look what I could do I'm like Bryce I'm gonna laugh if that thing flies off the shelf I know, like, I know. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I love that house because I love how open David is to it. Um, he is a little out there, but you got to take him with a grain of salt. But um, that place will definitely open you up. It will open you up in ways that you never could imagine. And yeah. even like every time I would go there, I would experience more things outside of his house. Yep. Things that would just randomly happen to me. And when I'm not even looking for it. So there's definitely something there. I highly recommend people to go and have their first experience at that house. All right, Bryce, what's yours? Well, that's definitely a good one. And probably the one that I've experienced the most sort of activity at. But I do always, we actually did an episode earlier. I think it was actually, it might have even been in season one. Although when we started today and you said that we were going into season three, I had to look at a calendar. I was like, is that true? Like, have we really been doing this for three years? Who knows when it really was? All days are relevant. Um, But when we did the episode, one of my favorites is the Roosevelt Hotel, just because it's so classic, like Hollywood. It's such a quintessential landmark. It's right there on the corner like Hollywood Boulevard and they've done such a good job of keeping it looking like this little slice of classic Hollywood which I have such like a nostalgic place in my heart for and then on top of that obviously it's the most alleged haunted hotel in Hollywood and you know a lot of the people who are there they have the Maryland suite I've actually only been because I'm not rich and or famous they (laughs) I've only been sort of to like the general area of it where you can like kind of go in the lobbies and the bowling alley and all of those kinds of like more touristy places but there are even things that have happened there i always think about the mirror in particular where there's just this sort of innocuous mirror that people see reflections or distortions of like a blonde woman in and i always love that hotel because It just feels like history, the history of Hollywood is alive anyway. You're kind of in the thick of a 1950s movie. Like, oh, this is where they came. This is where they go after the Oscars. And all of those things are so palpable. And then on top of that, to have like actual hauntings there where people see the ghost of Marilyn, allegedly, and all these other stories of the housekeeping staff that have seen things that are unexplainable. And I just have such a fond place in my heart. So when I first moved to Hollywood, you know i think everyone thinks you're just supposed to live in hollywood proper even though it's like a terrible part of town um but it's just what you do and i lived a couple blocks away from that hotel and i would walk by it every day on my way to school and every weekend we would all go to beecher's madhouse which was there in the basement and we just thought like that was the quintessential sort of coming to hollywood experience and i just have such a fondness um, I personally actually have never experienced anything at that hotel. Again, I think that is mostly because I haven't gone 
deep enough. I've only been in like the areas that are quite easily accessible to the public, like the pool and the main bar and like the lobby and things like that. But even without just the history that is so alive in that location, I will always have such a fun place. But for sure, David Oman's house is the most activity I think I've ever experienced here. Now, at, at the hotel, that also had that mirror you were talking about. That supposedly came from the suite that Marilyn used to stay in all the time. Am I correct on that? Didn't they take it out of the suite? I believe that is because they have now the suite that you can sort of rent out and like stay. And that has more apparitions of like the pink mist that a lot of people yeah. claim. They smell her perfume. Mm-hmm. Um, again, so I think they did actually end up moving the mirror. And again, like, it's just one of those things where like the legend almost becomes bigger than the experience itself. But it's just, I don't know, it's just so, I love that place. I think it's also where you hear Montgomery Cliff playing his uh, trumpet his too. Trumpet, exactly. Yes. And I, we had, I had a friend that stayed in that suite, and she had weird things happen around her. She would hear her door being knocked on, like someone was knocking on her door at weird hours. And then she was trying to record something in the hotel room, and she would constantly get this white mist in front of her face, like it was this weird mist in front of her camera, and mm. she was like i thought camera was acting up but every time i would leave the room it was okay it was fine but every time i would step in it was this weird miss she's like is it the light is it the lighting she went in every different location the bathroom it just seemed kind of misty whenever i would turn the camera on and try to record in this room so there are a lot of weird things that would happen in in that little room where he used to stay and play his trumpet of course and then of course i think it's it's the is it the restaurant or there's a hall there's also a a ballroom in there i believe where people claim to see the ghosts of carol lombard and rudolph valentino you could sip spirits with the spirits there apparently but i visited there a couple of times and it, it, it is definitely a feeling of of you're being sucked into a time warp. It definitely yes. is. You feel like you're living back in the 40s in in that hotel. It's definitely a great place to go and, and venture, have some sweet potato fries in their restaurant and, and lay out in the pool. And maybe you could see maybe Marilyn Monroe peeking out of her sweet there so <laughs> you never know tammy bryce it's been super fun having you guys on and, and sharing mm-hmm. a little bit of your oh, thank local you knowledge. why don't you tell everybody how they can keep up with holly weird paranormal on uh, social media Sure, of course. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hollywood Paranormal, and you can follow us on Twitter at HWP Podcast. And we are on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, CackSpot, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast fix. And if you guys have a ghost story you wish to share with us or have any questions in terms of Hollywood and Hollywood ghosts, then you can email us at hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been really fun. Yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Jerry. You can see why I like their show so much. That and that was a really good representation of what their show's like. Yeah. So if you tune in, they're they, so fun. Yeah, they have all that. That's the banter you get. Her and Bryce have a, such a good relationship mm-hmm. and a good rapport with each other. So yeah, that was really great. It was really great having them on. All right, guys. We love you. We appreciate you. Go listen to Hollywood Paranormal. Yeah, we love you guys, and let's just. Keep our fingers crossed that things are starting to open up and and we'll get back to some normalcy here.